Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, this is Orange Daily with Rock the Next Stage. You'll have 30 minutes of tips, musings, and motivation for the music community. Today, I have the pleasure and honor to interview Matt Highbarger, and he is got loads of tips and music to share with us. He's got over 25 years of music and concert ministry experience. That was one of his tunes that I queued up in the beginning called You Are Here with Matt and Scott for Pain. He has worked with. He's also worked with some notable Christian artists that you may recognize, such as Stephen Curtis Chapman, Steve Archer, Alan Asbury, Rich Mullins, Gary McSpadden, he's got for pain, as I mentioned, David and the Giants, Michael English, David Neeson, Clay Cross, Petra for him, and many more. In addition, Matt played the lead role of Jesus in the touring company of the classic musical Godspell. And Todd Agnew was actually in the cast there, so that's very cool. Matt's probably best known for a tune called When Life Gets Broken, and he's going to tell us more about that in a second. And that yielded three top ten singles. When Life Gets Broken, which featured Russ Lee and Michael O'Brien, Never Alone with Kelly Huff, as well as his signature ballad, Run to His Arms, which spent almost five years on Christian Music Weekly's inspirational chart. Broken, which was written by Matt and former new song frontman Michael O'Brien, was also recorded by Grammy and Dove Award winner Sandy Patty and founding Point of Grace member Heather Payne. It was released as the first single from Sandy Dove, Sandy's Dove Award winning CD, The Edge of the Divine. Matt has also had many other hits, including a remake of, are you ready, Desperado, which hit number one. Matt's also toured, and he's involved with many other projects. And he's calling in from Texas, so let's see how everything's going down down south there. How are you doing, Matt? Are you there? I'm doing well. Yes, ma'am, I'm here. You're actually west of me, (laughs) so for some people, I'm in the Raleigh MC area, and you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, is that correct? Yes, ma'am. I live about a mile from the Texas Motor Speedway. Any of you NASCAR, IndyCar people would know exactly where that is. <laughs> cool, cool. So you have had quite an interesting career that happened almost by accident, correct? <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Uh, singing was something I always wanted to do as a kid. Uh, my mom was a uh, theater person. She actually uh, was had a scholarship to the Pasadena Playhouse Theater. Uh, I mean, it's, it's produced some great actors. I mean, some of the most notable actors of those days. Uh, people like you know Dustin Hoffman have been there, and Al Pacino's doing a show there now. It's it's a landmark, and she was a singer and did musicals and things like that. And uh, I tried to sing, and she always told me that I should maybe try to do something else. <laughs> so. Wow. Uh, <laughs> You know, and everybody likes to sing. You sing in the shower, you sing in the car, or whatever. And it wasn't really until I was a youth pastor at a church and um, down here in Texas, and uh, we'd had a new pastor come in, and an older gentleman was leading the praise and worship, and he was we were trying to draw new families, and he said, "Man, I just 
I'm just praying I can get somebody to lead worship. We just really need somebody to do it. And uh, this brother was doing it because nobody else would. And I said, well, you know, I'm not really much of a singer, but I'll give it a shot. And that's kind of where it all started. Cool. Well, I see you never know. I've heard lots of interesting stories on this show. So it's always amazing that right place, right time, (laughs) and a great opportunity, which helped you launch something really, really amazing that came from the one tune. Wasn't it originally a project when life gets broken? Or yeah, it was know, a ministry series, right? It, it actually was. And, and I guess to leave it to that a little bit, you know, once I started leading worship, it was amazing uh, because I made it a ministry. And, you know, anytime you do, if, if you say, I'm just telling you as a Christian, if you say, Lord, here I am, use me, he will equip you to do what he calls you to do. And over that period of time, I, I taught myself to play piano, and I began to really immerse myself into music, and it uh, turned out I could actually sing after all <laughs> with just a little bit of help <laughs> and a little bit of training. And uh, so anyway, uh, fast forward a few years to there was a place called Footloose in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that, and believe it or not, back in the late 80s, I think like from 87 to about 92, every Friday and Saturday night for $5, you could come in and you could see, in this place where we ended up seeing about 1,000 people, and it was sold out most nights, you could see the likes of Stephen Curtis Chapman and for him, Rich Mullins, Phil Keggy, Randy Stonehill. I mean, 50 weeks out of the year, there were concerts there on Friday and Saturday wow. night. And, and as a result, the, the guy who ran it is a guy named Greg Oliver, who actually has the Greg Oliver Agency in Nashville, and they book... Everybody from New Song, Allie Grant, Big Daddy Weave, I mean, you name it, they, they booked the, the biggest names. And Todd Agner, who you mentioned earlier, <laughs> my old buddy from yeah. Godspell, and, and they book all these acts. And um, he's, he's become like a mogul in doing that, which is really amazing because he's got to start doing this little Christian, uh, I guess you call it a club, but it was a concert ministry uh, in Dallas-Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. And I became sort of the de facto house band. Uh, slash opening act for all these guys, and that's where I really got the opportunity to meet a lot of these people and and uh, you know per, and and begin to pursue a little more of a I guess you'd call it a music career. And I had opportunities mm-hmm. back in late '80s, early '90s to record with all these guys, Stephen Curtis Chapman. All these guys were like, "Man, if you want to do a project, brother, we'll we'll play on it, we'll sing on it, whatever." And I just I didn't do it. I just did not feel like that's what I was supposed to do. And then 20 years later, <laughs> I'm pastoring a church. And I want to say just a little bit about when life gets broken because wherever you are, you may think that uh, what you're doing is, is, quote, small time or it might, you might feel somehow that it's insignificant, but you never know what can happen because we were going into a new community and I wanted to do a series. And I was looking around and, you know, I mean, let's face it, we all know bad things sometimes happen to good people, uh, right. Christian people. Folks, that this tragedy happens. It's, it's part of life. And, you know, that's what Jesus said. He said, in this world, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. And I had a friend whose daughter had been diagnosed with cancer. I had a, another one who uh, had been in ministry for about 20 years, and his wife suddenly passed away. And had another brother I knew who was, I mean, one of the nicest, most genuine people you'd ever met that lost his job all of a sudden. And I just began to think, I said, you know, life gets broken. And that, that, that hit mm-hmm. me when life what, – what do we do when life gets broken? So I went on the Internet, and I Googled, in quotations, when life gets broken. And there was nothing, nothing on the Internet. I thought, hey, we may have something here. 
And so <laughs> I began to, because I, I know you're this way too because you're a musician, but music music can, can hit me in, in a place that nothing else can, that words can't. There's something about music and the power of right. music to bring, to hit you in your deepest, in deepest point of your need many times. And I begin to think about when life gets broken, God is picking up the pieces of our lives, which was an Archer song from back in the late 70s. Because they were out of the Jesus music movement, one of the pioneers. And at the time, mm-hmm. Steve Archer, who's another legend in music, was my worship leader. I thought about that song. I said, okay, so he's picking up the pieces of our lives because he cares. Well, my friend Michael O'Brien had a song called Somebody Cares. And so that was mm-hmm. the next sermon title, Somebody Cares. And then... I said, so what do we need to do? We need to run to his arms. Well, I'd written a song. I'd been working on a song called Run to His Arms. And so I said, okay, well, that'll be the third point. And then last, well, why don't we do that? Why don't we run to his arms? Because many times we think, well, I've messed up too bad, or how could God forgive me, or I'm not worthy, or whatever, because we don't see ourselves the way he does through his eyes of love, which my friend Steve Archer, it was a big hit for him back in the 80s. I said, okay, that's going to be my four points, right? And then I thought, wouldn't it be cool wouldn't it be cool, since I know these people have these friends, to actually record this project? So I talked to Michael O'Brien, and he said, well, man, absolutely. You know? And So he got some people together and, and connections he had in Nashville, which are good friends of mine now, and, uh, and I'm happy to share those later on <laughs> uh, for everybody yeah. to record something at that quality level. And I loaded up my friend Alan Asbury and Steve, and we got in the suburban. We drove to Nashville, met Michael, and uh, we went to the studio of a guy named Kent Hooper, who was a guy named Brown Bannister, who's a legendary producer, his engineer for 12 years, and we recorded this project. And we, we sat there and I said, you know, we, uh, he said an EP usually has five songs. I was just going to give these things away. And I said, you know, we don't have a song called When Life Gets Broken. And so Michael and I sat down and, and I had the concept and the lyrics and, and some ideas, and we began to go back and forth. And we're writing this song by email back and forth to each other. And I had written this melody for it, and I, I pictured this big, you know, power ballad kind of a thing. And Michael says to me, he says, you know what, man, I've got something I want you to listen to because when people are broken, they, they, it's like you, you, need, you need to be held. You know, you need a hug. You need some of the whole – nothing real. And so he played this melody, which was in a bit like a lullaby, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And I went, that's perfect. That's actually perfect. And so we went in recorded the song. Uh, I was having trouble with, with, you know, nodules and stuff and mess. My voice was a wreck. And so uh, Russ Lee, who was the lead singer of New Song, now he'd been there. Michael had taken his place. Michael had stepped out, and now Russ had come back. <laughs> and those two guys got together, and they sang the lead on this on this song. And I said, we got something here. And I said, well, why stop at those? Because I had some other songs I was working on. And so we put together this whole album, and I wanted to get it done. We had 11 songs. I had the money that had come in to do this project. And so we continued to write songs and, and, and cover songs and do things like that. But not being able to sing and Michael going, hey, I, I don't want this to be a Michael O'Brien record. <laughs> we began yeah. to talk to people. And so we brought in Alan Asbury and Steve Archer and the Katinas and uh, Clay Cross and, and then uh, Kelly Huff and David and the Giants. And pretty soon, all these wonderful people had contributed, and we had this amazing album. <clears throat> and the song went to radio and had a tremendous impact. And I got to go through that whole process of working the song through radio. And then uh, the guy who had produced our backup vocals was a guy named Chance Scoggins. 
he was producing Sandy Patty's upcoming album called The Edge of the Divine. And she was looking for another song. And he says, hey, I heard a song. It was for a church project. you got to hear this. And she heard it. She fell in love with it. And so she recorded it and became the lead single for her album, which ended up being a Devil Award-winning uh, album of the year, inspirational album of the year. And, of course, she sang it on the Gaither concerts, and she sang it on the Women of Faith concerts, and then they produced a sound, uh, accompaniment track for it. <laughs> All this had wow. a little German awesome. idea of a church of less yeah, than 100 yeah. people. So, wow. See, you never know. And that's why, you yeah. know, I, I work with a lot of uh, young talent and Christian artists. It's, those are my specialties. And a lot of these young guys and gals are, you know, they're just starting out. And it's easy to get discouraged because sometimes you only have a few people in the audience. And sometimes you have a lot. You just don't know. And I always tell them, you know, don't lose faith because you never know who's going to be in the audience who might hear you or see you. And a lot of opportunities have come from some of those smaller shows where somebody else might know somebody who's working on a festival or has some connections here. Or it could even be, you know, a little house party or something like that. And those can even lead to other things. So you can't discount the smaller projects or the ideas that you think are really no big deal. It's just something that just kind of popped into your head. You don't know where that's going to lead. So I always say just go with it. Well, and that's that's true in the music industry. Uh, I mean, look at Keith Urban. I mean, Keith Urban is a huge, huge star. And when he started, he was playing Little Dives in Nashville. And uh, I think it was Kix Brooks came in and saw him and then took him on the road with Brooks and Dunn. And then it just kind of went from there. And Keith Urban became a superstar. Uh, and that's just in the in the natural, you know, musical realm. But when you're talking about music as a ministry, you got to remember that Jesus said, if you're faithful in a few things, I will make you the master of many. And so my thing has always been if one person hears it and it does something, it encourages them, it blesses them, it changes their life, you've accomplished your mission. And when, you, when that's right. your attitude and you go out and you perform, if it's 3, 30, 300, 3,000, doesn't matter, you give it everything you've got and you, and you appreciate the opportunity to share, I'm telling you, good things happen and doors begin to open. Uh, you're not going to end up I've got some friends. I've got this one young man who this guy is so talented. He is so blessed. He can sing, but his thing is he wants to be on The Voice, and he wants to go that route. And I know right. people. You know people. Talk to people like Colton Dixon. Ask him about how that whole American Idol thing was. Uh, talk to people like Jeff Johnson. Ask him how that American Idol thing was. They'll tell you. They would much rather be where they are now, you know, doing ministry <laughs> and singing for the Lord because there's a greater blessing for it. Yeah, and I always say no matter if they're a Christian artist or, you know, they're performing all kinds of other music, it doesn't matter. They need to remember that, hey, it's not about you. It's about your audience. So surprise. Right. <laughs> no matter what you're singing <laughs> or, or what you're bringing to the table, keep in mind that that song, even if it only reaches or impacts one person in the audience, that was the person who needed to hear it. So you've got to give it oh, your absolutely. all and keep that in mind. Well, and, and again, if, if, if you feel strongly about something and, and you have something that's in your heart and you are passionate about it and you communicate that with people, you are going to be successful. You may never headline some huge festival, but you're going to be successful and you're going to be able to – because at the end of the day, it's about taking this gift of music 
and using it to to bless other people. You know, and I'm not just talking strictly right. in a ministry setting, but you know yourself, if, if you go to see a concert, you leave there going, yeah, you know, because it, 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 it did something for you. It, you know, it hits you emotionally right. and it, it stirred you up. Well, that, we have the opportunity to do that. Plus, we have the opportunity through our lyrics and just through our time sharing with people to actually influence and bless people's lives. And when I talked about the when life gets broken thing and I Googled it and there was nothing in quotations, well, there was really nothing there when I just put it in without quotations. And now if you Google when life gets broken, I mean, there are like 16 million results on there. If, if you put it wow. in quotations, there's like 17,000 results. And there were much more, wow. obviously, when the singles were out and everything. And now Crazy Glue has an ad that says, when life gets broken, you, you – and I'm thinking, man, what did you trademark that? Seriously. There's a good life lesson, kids. Thing. Make sure you trademark yeah. it. Yeah. You copyright everything. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Exactly. You know, even as a, a speaker, I go out and you just never know who's going to be in the audience. Sometimes it's a, it's definitely a Christian conference or workshop, so I know going in I can get away with a lot more. But on occasion, like a couple of weekends ago, it's just kind of a mixed arts sort of um, event. And I made the mistake of printing up the handouts with the title of the talk Find Your Divine Rhythm, which is my book title. And I kind of joked and I said, well, I'm supposed to leave out the divine, but guess what? I can't. So, and this is why I just went, I just went with my story and told them, you know, what, what happened and how music healed me and drumming specifically and gave them lots of inspiration. And, and I talked about God and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm probably going to get into a lot of trouble for this. But I just felt in that very small crowd there's got to be at least one person that needs to hear my story. And sure enough, she came up to me afterwards. So there you go. You never know. So whether it's your stage banter and what you say from the stage, introducing your tunes or the song itself, you have the potential to make an impact. So good for you. Well, so yeah, you've done lots of stuff. Yeah, and, you know, it's – I know we, we kind of keep harping on this theme, but I think it's an important message is the fact that there's an old uh, saying that you can count the apples on the tree, but you can't count the apples in a seed, you know? And mm-hmm. we, we underestimate vastly the influence that we have as artists, as songwriters, as singers. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you a perfect example and an analogy that I think people will, would understand is there's a man, I can give you his name. His name is Edward Kimball. And most people had never heard of him. And he was a Sunday school teacher. And he not only, you know, prayed for the hyper <laughs> kids in his class, but he wanted to win them to the he wanted to win them to the Lord. And there was one man in particular that didn't really understand. So this this man went to the shoe store where this kid was stocking shelves and he walked up to him, they went back into the stock room and he talked to him about the importance of a personal relationship with Christ. That guy's name was D.L. Moody, and ah. in that stock room, in that stock room on that Saturday, he accepted Christ. But see the story, and then you know he he touched two continents and ministered to thousands. But see the story doesn't stop there because under Moody there was another man whose heart was touched, and it was Wilbur Chapman. And Wilbur Chapman was an evangelist, and one day a professional baseball player named Billy Sunday came to one of his meetings, and he was converted. Okay, 
So you go on down the list, and there was a guy named Mordecai Ham, and he had heard Billy Sunday's message, and then he was preaching, and one one day in North Carolina, there was this young man in high school that went and heard him and decided to, and he actually went to go interrupt the meetings, you know, and, and whatever, but he heard the invitation, and he was converted, and his name is Billy Graham. And right. nobody has reached more people than Billy Graham. And it all starts with a guy named Edward Kimball, who was just a Sunday school teacher who just he, – he, he sought out this young man. He sought out his kids, and there's this one kid. And it, you never know the effect you're going to have. Your song that you may think, well, nobody's ever going to hear this, but the one person that does hear it and is changed by it, influenced by it, what they do, all of that is yours. You get credit for all yeah. of that. You may never know on this side of eternity, but it's amazing the impact that we make through a single song, through a single just sharing. When you're sharing your songs and sharing your heart, you'll never see in this life the effect of what you've accomplished. So never, ever despise a a small setting or think, oh, man, I I don't amount to anything because you have no idea the impact that you make. Exactly. And you know, Matt, I was just discussing this uh, on Facebook the other day. A question came up on someone's page, and a bunch of musicians were, you know, kind of complaining and lamenting the fact that, oh, man, it's so hard to get gigs. And then, you know, when you do, you only get a few people coming out. And so I was trying to encourage them and tell them exactly what we are talking about here. And one guy commented back, and I don't know if he was, tongue-in-cheek or he was making fun of me or what. Oh, yes, I guess we all have superpowers and we're superheroes or something. I said, just keep in mind, no matter what you do in life, you can make an impact and there's that ripple effect that you just won't even know what the effects are, perhaps, or, you know, maybe you will. But generally speaking, you know, it just kind of keeps going. So why not share the gifts that you've been given? So there you go. And speaking of which, I have a question for you, my friend. You and I were kind of chatting about this a little bit the other day. What is your take on the current status of the Christian music industry? Things have changed quite a bit, and so has the music. And some in a in a good way, and others think we've gotten a little bit further away from where we're supposed to be. What's your opinion? Well, you know, I have... I have the good fortune to be friends with, like I said, people like Steve Archer and Tim Archer and a lot of the guys that were in the Jesus uh, music movement, Rick Kua and, uh, of course, Randy Stonehill, people like that. And it's changed drastically because it's not about um, – now, there's, don't get me wrong. There's people out there who they love the Lord and they are out there ministering, and that's what their goal is. But the industry itself um, – absolutely is not, to me, and from what I hear and what I see, focused on ministry. It's focused on making money. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. Don Francisco called it the machine. They use you, they spit uh-huh. you up, uh, they do you up and they spit you out. And that's true of a lot of these guys. Think about these legendary artists, that guys like Scott Wesley Brown and, and some of the other guys, that they were, they're the biggest names that you just never hear from anymore. Uh, you're seeing that in country music today with all this, you know, Bubba country that the classic <laughs> artists, the George Strait and people like that, Rio McIntyre, they just, you know, they're having to do their own thing because mainstream radio won't play them anymore. And I'm thinking uh-huh. if, the, if the music is there and the quality is there and the artistry is there, why wouldn't you play it? 
because I can tell you from my personal standpoint, a lot of the stuff I hear today on the radio is garbage. You know, I'm sorry, but it is. Um, yeah. There's something wrong overall. With the overall, there's been a decline. <laughs> well, absolutely. Yeah. There's something wrong with an industry when you have a guy. I know most people are familiar with the band One Republic. Um, right. Ryan Tedder, their lead singer, is an ORU graduate, and he's doing secular music. And you know why? Because he stuck his foot in the water of the contemporary Christian music scene, and he got up on the road with some of those guys. He said, I've never seen so many prima donnas and crybabies in my life. I can't deal with this. <laughs> and so he jumped headlong into secular music because he says, I like these people better. <laughs> now, there's something wrong oh with that. Gosh. Yeah, if we're that's interesting. disciples of Christ, you know, you know, I've got a good friend of mine, and he and I have done a lot of uh, big concerts together. He runs sound, but he also does production and things. And we were, we were talking about having some big shows at a really large venue here in Raleigh. And, and I threw out the idea. I said, you know, we, we really don't have any shows here. How about doing something with the local Christian artists opening, and then we'll bring in a big name and this and that. He just kind of rolled his eyes, and I said, okay, Steve, what's up with that? And he said, oh, Dory, there's some of the biggest prima donnas. <laughs> I said, you've got to be kidding. He said, yeah, that in this one particular venue. He said, I don't want to work with them anymore. And I said, oh, man, that is really, really awful. When it gets to that, I said, okay, let's look at both sides of the equation. He was saying they, they throw in a lot of ridiculous demands and riders. I said, is it possible that they got burned early on or and they're just being super vigilant and super protective because they don't want it to be taken advantage of. And he just said, look, I don't know, but I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. So there you go. Well, you know, as, as, a, as a pastor, too, as someone who pastored for many years, I, I saw the same thing. You know, people wanting to come in at your church. They have these riders and stuff. And let me say this about that, okay? I know at Footloose we'd have people in, and Greg <laughs> – I love Greg, but Greg always – he could squeeze every last drop out of any dime he ever got. And so – we would provide meals for these guys. You know, they'd get there early, they'd have sound check, they'd have to go out. You had an opening act, usually me, and then they'd go on the about 8 o'clock, right? And the doors opened at 7. <clears throat> opening guards had to say 7.30, these guys hit at 8. So they have a chance to go back there and eat. Well, you know, a lot of times you go to Sam's and you get those big pans of lasagna or you do this or you do that. Now, I want you to imagine you're on the road all the time, okay? And, and we know that yeah. our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it's important to keep it healthy. And they're feeding you lasagna or fried chicken or pizza every night. Um, <laughs> you're going to be 450 pounds in no time, and your health is going to be shot. So I do. Not only that, it's going to shoot your vocals all that dairy, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. The cheese. They look a big slab of cheese and yep. go, you know, go sing. But that <laughs> that's why that's why some of them have that in the rider because they did get burned. They did have terrible sounds. They did have bad meals or. Or they take, well, try to take them out to McDonald's or something like that. So I understand that. Uh, but, you know, having the red M&Ms and having only the Perrier water and having all that kind of stuff, you know, let's leave that for Aerosmith and, you know, <laughs> Justin Bieber and whoever. Let's, let's not do that. Um, I, I really believe that we have the opportunity. Like I said, when I was talking about Ryan Tedder earlier, and the, the, the quote he made basically was he said, you know, the time he spent with some of the popular Christian artists changed his mind. He said, I saw some stuff in Nashville that turned my stomach. Some of the most pretentious, insecure uh-huh. people I ever met were Christian recording artists. And I thought, God forbid that anybody ever says that about us. You know, we should be mm-hmm. – I was a youth pastor for 15 years. So when I do sound check, 
people love me. If I can hear myself, it's all good. I have a monitor, praise God. You know, that's why I look at it. But then there's other people I've, there's other people I've been in concerts with that they are very demanding. They want this. They want this. And I like that in some instances because they can go be a bad guy and I get really good sound, you know. But there's a way that we need to communicate and there's a way that we need to conduct ourselves. If we're going to be Christian artists, we've got to be Christian artists, okay? You're not an artist who happens to be a Christian, as one famous person said one time. And you know what? I was opening for them. We were doing a concert. I asked them about it. I said, what do you say you get off saying you're an artist who happens to be a Christian? Dude, you don't happen to be a Christian. It's a choice you make, okay? You know, God didn't have grandkids yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. A choice you made. So that's who you are first, and you are, you're a Christian who happens to do music is the reality. And if we'll keep that in mind, you'll find that we will be much easier to get along with. Things will not bother us as much. We realize that we're there on God's business, you know, He's going to take care of it. He's the landlord. He owns this property. I'm just, I'm just living in it. You know what I'm saying? He's responsible as long as I do my due diligence and I prepare myself and I conduct myself like I should. That's why some people don't get asked back. That's why some people don't get yeah. bookings because they have a reputation. Uh, exactly. And, and you want to stand you, out. Yeah. Exactly. But you want, you want to stand, stand out, out in a good way. And if any of my young artists are listening, not mentioning any names, but as we discussed, sometimes you arrive at a gig and things aren't going as planned or you don't have all the, the things that you thought were going to be provided, like the full PA they thought we thought was going to be there. That has happened on, on occasion. You get there and you go, oh, well, actually, we're missing some things. Don't be a diva. Don't freak out. Don't throw a hissy fit. There are ways to deal with those things. and. Let's face it, things sometimes go wrong at shows. In fact, they often do. And it's your, your reaction and your response to that that makes you stand out. I want venues and, and churches and anywhere else where I'm putting my bands, whether they're Christian or not, because I have a lot of really great guys and gals out there, and they're known for being polished and professional. And I want these people to say, Dory, it was wonderful working with you and your bands. We would love to have you back. I don't want them to say, man, these guys are a bunch of divas and they're really hard to work with. What attitudes? <laughs> and if it turns out to be the Christian bands, then I'm like, um, <laughs> how did that happen? But anyway, Matt, we need to wrap things up here. So if you have any parting thoughts or any comments you'd like to share with our listeners, that would be great. Yeah, just real quick. Uh, if you don't have the passion, forget about it. It's not about making money. Uh, if you have the passion... And, and you're willing to share and willing to go wherever God opens doors uh, and, and embrace that opportunity and leave, a, leave something memorable behind in a positive way, you won't have, you'll be yeah. in no shortage of bookings. And also, uh, you can feel free to post like my, my email address because I've got, I've got some sources for getting recording done that's quality. I mean, you're talking about the best in the industry doing this stuff at very, very, very way less than you would ever expect uh, prices. And I'm happy to share that information with anybody. All right, Matt, I've got your contact information here on the Block Talk Radio site. But if anybody's listening in or for some reason can't see it, or maybe you're driving and listening, don't write this down. But <laughs> you can write it down later. It's Matt Highbarger, M A T T H Y B A R G is in George E R at hotmail.com. You can also go to Matt's website, mattheiberger.com. He's also on Reverb Nation. 
As for me, you can find me at rockthenextstage.com or you can shoot me an email, Dory, D-O-R-I, at rockthenextstage. Uh, I would love to chat with you and, and see how we could move you forward. So, Matt, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you were having trouble with your voice for a while there and you were recovering, but I'm glad you were able to make it. You sound great. <laughs> and I really appreciate all the tips that you shared and your experiences and all. And we hope to, I hope to connect with you again very, very soon. I have some questions for you, so I probably will. <laughs> so, folks, thanks, thanks for joining us. And I'm going to sign off in a bit with Matt's tune, You Are Here. So make sure that you tune in and join us next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Till next time, folks, keep on rocking. Bye for now. When faith is hard to find And mistakes they haunt my mind When the road ahead is blind You are here When there seems to be